We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. Welcome back to Overnight America. Brad Young sitting in for Ryan Recker and and Megan scooted out of the of the uh, of the newsroom too quickly for me because I was going to ask her about whether if you visualize exercise, will that help you lose weight? Because you know I've got a vivid imagination, and I can just visualize running on the treadmill, and I can visualize lifting five hundred pound weights. Is that going to do me any good? Probably. Probably not. Hey, welcome back to Overnight America. And uh, I've gotten a few emails uh, during the first hour. Always appreciate that. If you want to contact me at all during the show tonight or even tomorrow, always love hearing from listeners. My email address at my law firm, Harris Dowell Fisher & Young. My email address is beyoung at harrisdowell.com. Always love hearing from listeners, and uh, I always respond. I'll get back to the folks who have emailed me tonight. I'll get back to you first thing in the morning. Uh, we talked to David Nicholas last hour, and we talked uh, about the, uh, the the COVID relief benefits. And one of the things that I think is interesting, the House has passed a bill to revise the COVID payments to $2,000, up to $2,000 for Americans subject to income limits. So if you're Bill Gates, you're not going to get a check, no matter what. Uh, so if you're the CEO of a Fortune 500 corporation, you're not going to be getting any COVID relief checks, nor should you, in all honesty. But what's interesting is, to me, what's going on in the Senate? Because I mentioned in the last hour, Josh Hawley is in favor of this. Bernie Sanders is in favor of this. And today, Marco Rubio came out, and he's in favor of this, of increasing the benefits from 600 up to $2,000. So if there is that kind of momentum already in the Senate from both sides of the aisle, I'm not saying it's a done deal by any stretch, but there's a greater likelihood of this happening in the Senate than I would have predicted, say, two weeks ago. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. One of our callers last hour, I believe it was Jimmy, he mentioned about riding in a limo and uh, wanting to own a limo and then drive. It reminded me of a funny story because... Uh, my, he's now deceased, but my brother-in-law at one point in time lived in Washington, D.C. 
and he was separated from my sister, but I went out to visit him. Anyway, you don't care about that part. But what's interesting, though, is this. I went out to Washington, D.C. to visit him, and he owned a limousine. He, he didn't drive a limousine. He didn't drive it for business. He didn't rent it out. He owned a limousine as his personal car. Now, you may say, why on earth would you want to drive a limousine as your personal car? Well, I am not making this up. This is what we really did. He would stick a couple of flags on the front end of the car above the headlights on the front of the vehicle. And I believe it was a Ford. I don't remember if it was a Ford or a Cadillac limousine. I believe it was a Ford limousine. So he would stick these nondescript flags right above the headlights on the hood of the car. And we would go driving through Washington, D.C., and, and we would, he would say, hey, let's go eat at this restaurant. And we would park literally in the highway. If you've ever been to Washington, D.C., you know that there's six or eight lanes of traffic. And it looks like, you know, this is not like a street. This is like, it looks like a highway, but it's really just a street. And he would park right in the middle of the lane, right in front of the, of the restaurant. And we would get out and go in. And I said, Joe, what are you doing, man? You're going to get towed or someone's going to crash into you. He just laughed and said, no, that's why I drive a limousine. So we'd spend two and a half hours in this restaurant. We'd come out, and there sat his car, undamaged, untowed, no tickets. And so I got in the car, and we left, and I said, Joe, how on earth can you get away with this? This is crazy. And he said, well, cops won't tow a limousine because they don't know what country it might be from or they don't know who might own it, and they could get fired if they if they tow somebody's limousine, and it's a very— wealthy lobbyist or a very important politician. So if you're in a limousine, cops leave you alone. So we went, I was there for about a week and we went all over DC, never parked in a parking spot at all. We just parked in the middle of the street, right in front of where we went. And we went in, it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Uh, And so yes, Washington DC is the land of limousines and uh, at least my uh, ex-brother-in-law figured out an angle of a way to get around D.C. and not have to worry about your parking. So, uh, and, and of course, that was blatantly illegal, all right? I certainly know that now, and everybody knows that, but he didn't care. And, and speaking of doing things that are illegal and nobody cares, did you hear Lori Laughlin uh, has been released today? I know that's the most important story. We're not talking about the importance of COVID relief. This is even bigger than COVID relief. This is bigger than the defense bill. This is bigger than whether Trump is going to is going to leave the White House by January 20. Biggest story of the day, Lori Laughlin being released from federal prison. Okay, maybe not. But uh but she didn't care what the law was. She paid $500,000 to get her daughters into USC. I think she alleged that they were on the rowing team, which to me was an outrage because my daughter worked like crazy to get on the rowing. She got a rowing scholarship to uh, Kansas University, and uh, I know how hard she worked. And Lori Laughlin wrote a check, but uh, then she also served two months at the uh, Gray Bar Motel, the big house, the pokey. And uh, she just got out. So we'll see whether she returns to Hallmark movies anytime soon. Hey, after this break, we're going to talk to, and I know you're going to know this name. His name is Tom Papa Ray. He owns, he owns vintage vinyl in University City. 
And we're going to talk to him about the resurgence of records and albums in terms of popularity. And then after we talk to Tom Ray, I want to open the phone lines because I want to hear from you about what was your first record. Brad Young filling in for Ryan Recker on Overnight America. We'll be right back. Radio's BS detector. Mark Reardon. Weekday afternoons at 2 on St. Louis's News Radio. KMOX. Welcome back to Overnight America. Brad Young sitting in for Ryan Recker this evening. And there were several stories in the news this week and last week about vinyl records, about albums, sales going up. And so if you are in the St. Louis region and you think of records in any way, I promise you the first person that comes to your mind is Tom Papa Ray, owner of Vintage Vinyl in, in, in uh, University City. Hey, Tom Ray, welcome to Camo X. It's a beautiful evening in the neighborhood. It truly is, my friend. Thanks for joining us this evening. Well, a pleasure. Uh, Billboard magazine reported yesterday that for the second time in a month, weekly vinyl album sales in the U.S. hit a new record high. Almost 1.5 million albums sold per week in December. Real simple question. Uh, why why are vinyl albums so popular today? I think there's any number of reasons, and I think in this year of pandemic, people are looking for what I would call tangible reassurance and pleasure. And there's there's a, a physicality, there's a uh, an emotional reassurance to me in in vinyl with LPs or 45s. Uh, and you know, honestly, even when everyone was saying that the LP was going away, we were always selling vinyl at our store. Uh, always did. And just to make this point. This has been going on for over 10 years. I belong to a retail coalition of independent record stores, and 15 years ago, we were having our yearly meeting, and most of the people in in this coalition have stores everywhere from Miami, Florida to Seattle. And a lot of these people are much younger than me. You know, I mean, young enough to be my, my children. And the question went around the table one day that if there was anything that coalition could do, what would it be? And every person at that table said, boy, we wish we could own a vinyl pressing plant. Really? And that was, that was like, and I'm talking about like in 2007. Wow. Wow. And I could, and I could even see the, the writing on the wall because six years ago I was, uh, at a, a record industry convention with the, with the major labels, and I was already saying to them, "Don't quit making CDs." Mm-hmm. I said, "There's a lot of people out here who are, who, you know, of a certain age group that are not going to go out and get a turntable again." I said, "You know, you've made all your money 30 years ago on CDs. Keep them in, you know, keep them in." Uh, in production, you know, in circulation, keep them in production, and just don't charge as much. You'll make money. 
Yes. You're a wise man, Tom. Well, only in maybe in this. My wife says there's room for improvement. Well, I think all wives say that. But uh, in speaking of wives, my wife and I took kind of a staycation a few weeks ago, and we stayed at a hotel downtown St. Louis, and our room had a vintage record player and several classy albums that were in there. And I just thought, uh, I thought, when did albums become chic again? I mean, I've got a record player and a turntable at my house, but I've never seen it in a hotel. And I, when I saw that, this was a very upscale hotel. And so it was, it was almost like a, a chic accoutrement to have a record player in the hotel room. So what that makes... Hotel, yeah. That hotel has had that since 2019, since they opened uh, the owner of that hotel has been a customer of mine Ah, since the 1980s. (laughs) And and in full disclosure mode, we provided the albums that you found How funny. I didn't even know that. I didn't know it till this very moment. That is so interesting. But but, in speaking of interesting, what makes vinyl more interesting than, say, a CD or streaming? Why is it inherently more interesting? Well... To begin with, I've always thought that the limitations of vinyl, which is to say, you know, a, a long play LP can contain 38 minutes or so of of information. Uh, you know, they are media storage units that, if you think about it, mm-hmm. are perfectly set up to be able to provide an artist or a band, so to speak, a two-sided opportunity where each side is like a suite and it's here here's the way i explain it back in the day how many times would you read a review of an album let's say i can even remember this with the beatles white album i remember reviewers saying this would have been a perfect record if it would have been just one lp Mm -hmm. well a two lp set is about the length of one cd 70 minutes, 72 minutes. And I think that having that shorter span and duration allows for a greater focus. Also, too, uh, aesthetically, LPs are much more attractive. They are. Than a CD. And and as we all know, an iPod has no aesthetic attraction. Zero. Yeah. You're exactly right. We're talking to Tom Papa Ray. He's the owner of Vintage Vinyl in University City. Everyone listening to the sound of my voice has been to Vintage Vinyl, okay? You've been there, and if you haven't been there recently, you should go. Uh, now, now, Tom, I got to tell you, I grew up, again, I'm 55 years old, and I grew up really after the Beatles had broken up, after uh, after Yoko Ono poisoned the, poisoned the band and broke them up, but I grew not that I have an opinion on that, okay? But as I, but I grew up as a kid listening. I would sneak into my sister's room, and she had Sergeant Pepper's, and I would put on Sergeant Pepper's on the turntable, and I had this big clunky set of headphones because I wasn't supposed to be in her room. And I would listen to Sgt. Pepper's over and over and over again. And so anytime now when I hear that, to me, it's incredibly nostalgic. So do you think nostalgia plays any factor in the resurgent popularity of vinyl? I think that is certainly part of it. 
I also think, though, and no, I take that back. I know that vinyl sounds better than an MP3. I'll give you an example. Five or six years ago, we were doing an outdoor sale, and I brought out a a big bucket, literally a, a, a like a popcorn bucket filled with scratchy 45s. And I had the kind of turntable that had the big heavy speaker that when I was in school, they, when they forced you to go and, and square dance (laughs) in the gym. Right. (laughs) And, you know, and the teacher would bring in the one big kind of clunky turntable that had the speaker that attached to it. Oh, I know it. I know it well. Exactly. That's what I had out there. And I'm just throwing these records on while we're while I'm selling LPs and CDs out on Del Mar because I just want to listen to it. And I just had this revelation. I kept having, you know, people that were teenagers going, whoa, boy, that sounds great. What is that? And I, you know, and I, I would pick up the 45 and go, well, this is a media storage unit. Yes, it is. Called a 45. And it sounds better than that uh, iPod of yours, doesn't it? Have you wondered what else they're lying to you about? (laughs) Well, uh, and in a few moments, actually, uh, after we're finished with the interview, I'm going to play some portions of of the documentary, and we'll talk about about that in just a moment. But uh, before I get to this break, i got to tell you this. I've got three daughters, so, you know, pray for me. But I've got three daughters, and those my daughters who are in their 20s, they are fascinated by albums. So when you think about your customers at Vintage Vinyl, uh, do you see any particular age group more than others? Well, of course. Um, we, I mean, well, we've always had a pretty broad, not only demographic, socially, racially, but also as far as age. And uh, I, I very much enjoy you know, standing in the store on a busy day and and seeing people that I know were listening to such and such a music in 1983, they are there with their kids, and you know, you know, music is like a fingerprint. You can really tell something about a person just mm-hmm. by looking at their collection. Interesting. That that's a very interesting observation because I've always looked at people's books on their shelves, never thought to look at their record collection or their music listening tastes. But yes, that would tell a lot about a person. As with, a, you know, as with a, uh, like you say, with a collection of books. Hey, we're talking, and Tom, I don't know if you can stick around through the break. I've got a few more questions for you. I would love to chat with you another five or six minutes if you could spare it. Uh, I'm at home and I've got my pajamas on. <laughs> well, that's a visual that we didn't need, but I'm glad that you're comfortable, my friend. They're and, really good pajamas. Oh, okay, well, I'll have to trust you on that one. Uh, we're talking to Tom Papa Ray. He's the owner of Vintage Vinyl there on Del Mar on the Loop. You know it. You've been there. And when we come back from this break, we're going to talk about where vinyl might be going in the future. We're also going to talk about the documentary that was recently featured on Tom Ray and about the Vintage Vinyl Roadshow. Brad Young sitting in for Ryan Recker on KMOX. Welcome back to Overnight America. Brad Young sitting in for Ryan Recker. And we're talking with the legendary Tom Papa Ray, 
Uh, he's the owner of Vintage Vinyl in University City. And I, I wanted to get back to talking about records because I know that's a topic that you know a lot about and you're passionate about. So I know that Vintage Vinyl in U City, you guys were closed at the beginning of the pandemic, but uh, when did you reopen? We were closed 10 entire weeks. In fact, we closed four days before uh, the state required us to. And then when they told us they, we could open it on the 18th, uh, my brain trust and I kind of went, oh, let's wait another couple of weeks. So we were closed. We we reopened on, on June 1st. And by that time, we had, you know, retrofitted the uh, – the store with uh, things to make sure that our staff was, you know, protected and uh, sure. sanitation and this and that. And we also put in a website that uh, allowed our customers to be able to order online, which before had never really been, you know, our focus. We kind of felt like we're a brick and mortar store. We have a lot of people that come in our store. We want to be with our customers, et cetera. But we did, uh, make that sea change uh, during that 10-week period. Yeah, from my perspective, Vintage Vinyl is a destination. I mean, sometimes when I when I come to Vintage Vinyl, I'm not going there to, to look for a particular album. I'm going there for the experience of being in Vintage Vinyl. The experience of being a part of a music community, a music community in one of the great foundation cities for music on planet earth absolutely you are so right and you're right there in the heart of it in you city but you know as you look forward tom do you see vinyl albums continuing to grow in popularity or is this just a temporary fad i don't think it's temporary and um you know i really you know so you know i mean cds are very very uh, convenient to me in fact I'm kind of uh, I'm a little upset over the fact that car the uh, car manufacturers are quitting quitting making uh, cars with CD players because mm-hmm. when I drive around with somebody that's got their iPod you know connected to the speakers in uh, in their automobile after about 15 or 20 minutes I start getting a headache because what they are you know the signal is so compressed you know it's mm-hmm. you know it's it's unnatural. Yeah, I, I bought a car. Uh, I bought a car a year ago, and I had to hunt for one that had a CD player in it. I mean, I found one, but it was hard. It was hard to do. You know, when when you were talking about listening to Sergeant Pepper, I just want to say, uh, Randall Roberts, who is in this documentary and who, back in the 1990s, was our indie rock buyer, he's currently and for quite a number of years has been the music critic critic for the LA Times and uh, about a week or so ago he wrote an article called The Lost Art of Deep LP Listening hmm. where he talks about you know you know how this pandemic and how people being at home it's allowed them to get reacquainted with their vinyl collection and to actually sit and listen carefully to an album such as Sgt Pepper or dark side of the moon or whatever the album that really made an impact on you mm-hmm. did you know for me it was uh james brown live at the apollo yeah well i spent hours listening to dark side of the moon but i have to confess to you tom 
part of the attraction was just knowing that I was getting away with sneaking into my sister's bedroom. But, uh, but that was part of the attraction. But yeah, spend hours listening to to her record collection. But you mentioned this documentary, and Channel Nine, our local PBS station, recently aired a documentary about you entitled "Papa Ray's Vintage Vinyl Roadshow." Now, what did you think of the documentary, and what type of feedback have you received? Uh, the feedback's been extremely uh, positive. In fact. There are right now 35 other stations in the PBS system that are offering it on their website. Uh, this is something I we had been talking about doing for the last four or five years. Uh, at one point, somebody wanted to do a reality TV show at the uh, store, and I realized fairly soon that what they really wanted to do was to have a record store as a backdrop for the obnoxious mating habits of the most attractive people, you know, the most attractive 20-somethings in our store. And what really made me proud was I realized at a certain point that not a single employee at Vintage Vinyl wanted to be involved with that. Mm. They would not be on camera for that. So what I wanted to do was have a, and what we're proposing to do is a TV series that will visit different towns, go to the independent record store or stores in a particular city. Because if you want to make a connection to a city's musical heritage and community, go to the independent record store. Sure. That's, you know, that's that's the, that's the crossroads in that city. And uh, just to talk about the way independent record stores interact with their customers, mm-hmm. with their music scene, and, you know, we, we, there's three TV shows about cupcakes. Why not? Yeah, that's a fantastic idea. But but going back to the documentary, if people want to watch that documentary, I watched it. If people want to watch that now about the history of vintage vinyl, where where can they go right now? They can go to the, the, the uh, Channel 9 website, correct? You can go to the website. We also have it available on DVD at the store. Very good. Well, I appreciate it. I just want to thank you, Tom. You've given us a lot of your time this evening. That's Tom Papa Ray. He's the owner of Vintage Vinyl in University City right there on Del Mar. You know where it is because you've either been there or you're planning on going back. So thanks for joining us this evening on Camo X. And what I'd like to say is uh, 2021, better must come. Better must come. You are so correct, my friend. Thank you for joining us this evening. Thank you. Thank you. I want to... uh, I want to play just a moment, a segment of that documentary. And then when we come back from that segment of the documentary, uh, I'm going to open up the phone lines because what was the first record that you listened to? What do you think of this resurgence of vinyl records? What are your thoughts? 314-436-7900. But here is just a snippet of the documentary entitled Tom Papa Ray. It's the Vintage Vinyl Roadshow. This is a media storage unit called an LP. And this is a media storage unit called a 7-inch 45. Now, these have both been around the block, but you know each one of these sounds better than your iPod or that MP3. So the question is, what else are they lying to you about? One, two, three. 
excited to get up now. Let's do the St. Louis breakdown. Come on. Woo. Arms, break it down. I want everybody in Chicago. Let's get together and do the St. Louis breakdown. My first album was Millennium by the Backstreet Boys. First album I ever bought was a Grand Funk Railroad album. Aerosmith. Night in the Ruts. Sid Vicious solo. One was Pat Metheny off ramp. The other one was Grover Washington Reese. Michael Jackson thriller. The first album I ever bought was probably Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> yeah. Sean Cassidy. The fat boys, jailhouse rap. It would have to be the Beatles' help. It was Appetite for Destruction from Guns N' Roses. Blue Oyster Cult, Fire of Unknown Origin. The first record I bought was an Elton John PKD record. It was a Prince cassette tape with two songs on it. And I'm not even sure if I knew who Prince was when I bought it. It was just uh, like I thought he looked cool or something. My first record was either Chumbawamba Tub Thumping or uh, maybe Third Eye Blind Self-Titled. The first album I ever bought was Bark by Jefferson Airplane. It came in a brown paper bag with a big J-A. When you opened it up, there was a fish inside with a pair of false teeth. It absolutely destroyed my parents' day, but I loved every minute of it. Thank you. So it's interesting. If you watch that entire video on, it's a, it's a nine net, it's a channel nine website. Just go there, search for vintage vinyl and you can watch that entire documentary or you can go to vintage vinyl right now and you can watch it and get it there and get the DVD for yourself. It's a fascinating look at the St. Louis music scene. What was your first record? And what do you think about this resurgence of vinyl in the United States? 314-436-7900. What are your memories of listening to records and albums? And where do you think that industry is going to go? 314-436-7900. Brad Young sitting in for Ryan Recker on Camo X. We'll be right back. This is Overnight America, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michaelsflooringoutlet.com on KMOX. Welcome back to Overnight America. Talking about albums, records, vinyl, nostalgia, childhood memories, all great things. What was the first record you listened to and what do you think of albums today? 314-436-7900. Barbara's got some memories. What's going on, Barbara? I had um, uh, my dad bought me Beatles Beatle album. What a great and, dad! Yeah, and also he bought me Elvis. So um, and uh, I used to listen to Forty Five with it was Johnny Angel. You're an angel to me. I don't know who made it, but hmm. it, it like I said, it was one side and the other. And I I listened to that so much. My dad told me turn that thing off. <laughs> Yeah, but doesn't every parent say that? Yeah, he said, turn that off before I come up and get it. <laughs> That's funny. So do you still have any records? Do you still have any of those old Beatle records laying around your house? No, no. I gave them all to my brother. Okay. Uh-huh. Some of them I didn't even open up. I just, uh, oh. you know, I just gave them to him and, uh, you know, and some of the Elvis, too. Well, you've got some fond memories, don't you? Yes, I have fond memories. Uh, some of them I just uh, didn't want to open up because I thought, well, this is so wonderful, I don't want to open it up. Yeah, but now, don't you wish you did? 
and some of them I did open up. Oh, good, so, good. You know, but um, like I said, some of them I wore them out. Oh, yeah, and you could do that. I know I, I wore out some records as a kid, and it was definitely possible to wear out that vinyl. So, uh, but listen, you need to call your brother, re- get some of those albums back, and re-experience that joy of listening to vinyl. Yes, yes, and they're selling vinyl. Walmart is selling a lot of vinyl. Yep, it's their sales are going up. I'm going to be talking about that in just a minute. But Barbara, hey, thanks for calling in this evening. Appreciate oh, it. Okay, thank you. Good night. Hey, uh, Betty, you like to listen? I understand to Elvis Presley. Yes, I have loads of 45s. Really? Yes, I do. And I was just looking at some of them. I don't even recognize the title, you know. And she's talking about her father. Well, my father would listen. He listened to Elvis, but he wouldn't let me watch him. Mm. Oh, he didn't well, like all the gyration that he did. You know, he, he was pretty controversial. You remember when he was on the Ed Sullivan show, oh, they yes, had to I shoot did. him from the waist up because right. he was a little too hippie, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and, I, and I don't mean long hair and smoking dope. I mean, those hips were, were going a mile a minute. I know. That's what my father said. He just said, you know, <laughs> <laughs> said you can watch, you can listen to him, but you're not going to watch him. Yeah. You know? well, I have a lot of the Everly Brothers mm-hmm. uh, record. You know, uh, I have a lot of uh, uh, 45s. I've got uh, several albums, but at that time I couldn't afford that. I could only afford the 45s. Well, do you still get, do you mm-hmm. still get those out and listen to them at all? Yes, I do. When I get in kind of a a mood like I'm yep. you know, missing somebody or everybody, I put them on and it brings me back to better well, times. Yes. Well, this has been the year for that, hasn't it, Betty? Yes, because it has. This has right, been a year. Has. This has been a year where we've been, had our uh, connections severed. We've had our relationships broken, and so I can't think of a better way to reconnect emotionally than getting out all those old forty fives and listening to the uh, listening to Elvis. Yes. <laughs> I do that, and uh, I believe if I can find it, I have to look through that mess in there. But I have, a, I believe I have his original record. Wow. His first one. His you know? first one. First one. And, and I play him on an old uh, stereo that I have probably 40 years old. That is an interesting story. Hey, Betty, thanks for sharing your memories. Yes, thank you for listening. Thank you. Good night. Uh, Mitch, uh, what's on your mind this evening, Mitch? Well, I grew up in Chicago. My dad worked for radio stations up there. So I used to get my albums and 45s from the leftovers. Wow. From the so so the you had access to three I records. Remembered I had, uh, the one forty five was from the Beatles. My Bonnie, my, bo- uh, my Bonnie Lies Over the Ocean by the Beatles with Tony Sheridan. Goodness. That's an oldie. That that is an oldie. Now, do you still have any of those laying around the house? I have something boxed up, and I don't know where the box went to. If they're still around, but I I do remember one time is I got uh, we've got about a year before it came out. We talked about Dark Side of the Moon. Uh, we got it for about a year before it ever hit distribution on the radio stations. And I would listen to it, and I said, this album is okay, a little too far ahead of its time. I gave it to my brother. Boy, was I stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you got to hang on to those. (laughs) 
That's funny. Uh, those, so, so you're gonna get these out any during this uh, this year of COVID? Nah, I can't. I don't even have a turntable anymore. Oh, I lost my BSR years ago. <laughs> I think the last time I had it was college. Wow. <laughs> well, they bring back good memories, though, don't they, Mitch? Oh yes. And you had a fantastic supply of records. Good for you. Hey, thanks for yep. listening to uh, thanks for listening to KMOX. Okay, well, take it easy. Have a happy new year. And a happy new year to you as well. You know, I got to tell you, uh, when I was in high school, I grew up in a small town in southern Illinois called West Frankfurt. And in high school, I worked at the local radio station because I thought it was really cool. I could talk during the day and people would pay me to do it. It's like, hey, what a better job is there? Talking on the radio and people will pay you. Uh, And so I went and worked at the radio station. After I worked there, this was at WFRX in West Frankfort, Illinois. I learned after I worked there that that was the first radio station in the United States to play a Beatles record. Now, how could a small 5,000-watt AM station in a town of 10,000 people be the first station in the country to play a Beatles record? Well, it's very interesting. George Harrison's sister lived in Benton, Illinois, which is, if you're geographically challenged, it's about two hours southeast of St. Louis. And so George Harrison's sister lived in Benton. And when her brother, George Harrison, decided to cut a record with his Liverpool pals before that was even sold in the United States, he gave a copy of this record to his sister in Benton. So she took it to the radio station in West Frankfurt and played that radio station and played that record at the radio station. So West Frankfurt, really small town, but it was the first in the nation to play any Beatles albums. And that's the station that I worked at. And so I remember working and playing records on the turntable, and I would look at it and say, wow, this was the first turntable to play a Beatles record in the U.S., And then I would remember that this meant that equipment was really old by the time I was using it in the 80s, and it's time to get something newer. So, because, you know, as a kid, you're just stupid. You don't understand the the value of things. So, in any event, that was my experience in working in radio and using equipment that played the first Beatles record in the U.S. Hey, we've got another caller who's been holding for a while. Hey, welcome to KMOX. How you doing? Ah, uh, this sounds like Bobo. No, my name is Arthur. Uh, my name, I really, I'm super cool to DJ. I have varieties of all kind of music, the Beatles, okay. Elvis, and I play music seven days a week. You do? Yes, I do. Seven days, nonstop. I entertain a lot of people for 44 years, and I'm still doing it. Yep, well, do you have a lot of, I bet you have an amazing record, record collection. I, I got records, I got tapes, and I got CDs, a variety of all kind of music. So when you want to get nostalgic, what records do you get out and play? I play uh, The Temptations, I play LTD, I play some, I, I got a Beatle uh, CD here, I usually play that too. Mm-hmm. So I've been entertaining people for 44 years. I I bet you've done a good job at it. So do you? Oh yes, I have. Do you still do you still enjoy buying new records, or you just listen to the old? Yes, I buy new records too. Yeah, I went to Ben and bought me bought some new records there too. 
Well, I know what Ben Avado. I got. They had to order me some records because I had. Uh, they didn't have it on 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 the book when I went there. Well, Vintage Vinyl is certainly the place to go for records. Hey, I'm going to have to let you go. We're coming up on a break, but thanks for okay. calling in. Happy to New Year to you. Have a nice and blessed New Year. Thank you, and Happy New Year to you. Rex Ryan, he's a good friend of mine. That's He's a good guy, isn't he? Hey, he's- thanks for listening. Appreciate that. When we come back from this break, we're going to look at the news of the day. We're also going to talk about Christmas presents. What would you get for Christmas? Give us a call, 314-436-7900 on Overnight America, KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 